Welcome to the We've Seen a Thing or Two podcast. As investigators and mediators focused on regulatory and workplace conflicts, we have seen a thing or two and learned a thing or two. In each episode, we will be speaking with industry leaders in regulation, human resources and law, as well as thought leaders and top performers in investigations and mediation. We bring our audience interesting and cutting edge information on conflict management as it relates to professional regulation and workplace disputes. This industry is one of many views and we have to say that some views shared by our guests are not necessarily shared by the We've Seen a Thing or Two podcast, its hosts or sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by Bernard and Associates, trusted investigation and mediation professionals since 2004. Now here's your host, Dean Bernard. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the We've Seen a Thing or Two podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now, if this is your first time joining us, welcome. And if you've listened before, thank you for coming back. Now, on this edition of the podcast, we have Amy Davies, who is the CEO of First 30. Now, I'll let Amy tell you about what First 30 is all about in a moment, but I just want to provide a little introduction for her. Now, if you go to her website of her company and you look her up, her bio will read something like this. I love seeing people succeed, or I am passionate about developing programs for professionals that enable them to thrive in their careers. And I have to say, I really love hearing people describe what they do as a passion and as a love. Amy is indeed committed and I think a fierce supporter of people. And as an executive who's focused on supporting human resources, she has a lot to offer. Her second book, What Employees Want, Proven Strategies to Attract, Retain, and Engage Talent is set for release in September of 2023. And of course, she founded First 30. Prior to launching First 30, Amy worked at several top-tier companies in the UK and North America, including Unilever, Rogers, Wrigley's, Mars, and Granger. Now, as I said, she can speak to what First 30 is all about, and I want to know the meaning behind the name First 30, so I'm going to ask her that, I promise. But let me tell you why she's here. Today, Amy's going to talk about an interesting topic, something I actually hadn't heard about until Amy and I'd had a conversation, a concept called stay interviews. What are stay interviews? Well, I'm going to let Amy enlighten us all about that today. So uh, with that, welcome, Amy. Hello, Dean. Thank you so much for inviting me to join today and for a great introduction. You're quite welcome. And so first 30, let's start there. What is that name about it and what is it that your company does? Yeah, so First 30, when I originally thought of this business, I wanted it to be broad in scope and have the options, right? Because entrepreneurs, and you probably know this pretty well, you don't always continue doing what you started out doing as a business. And that's very true for First 30. So when I was naming the company, I didn't want it to necessarily be tied to any one service offering. So I called it First 30 so that it was a little bit broad. And believe it or not, the First 30 was originally the first 30 days after an employee is laid off from their business. So we are now known, well known for employee onboarding, which is the first 30 days (laughs) with a new employer. (laughs) But we started as a business That was the first 30 days after you're laid off. We still have an outplacement business, but that's not what we're known for. So it made me so glad that I chose a name that was a bit more broad in scope. 
Yeah, it's very cool. I mean, you know, it's funny because I, I think back many years ago, I started my company in 2004 and I had all these ideas. I was going to come up with all these interesting names and then ended up with just boring old Bernard and Associates. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I thought, oh, well, I'll just throw my name up there. I always wanted to see it in the lights anyway. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but no, I think that's actually really creative. Now, let's talk a little bit about this concept of of stay interviews. Can you tell us a little bit about what they are? Sure. So, you know, we hear a lot about companies running exit interviews and exit interviews. Of course, you've reached that point where your employee has made the decision to leave the business and it might be a little too late to kind of salvage that situation. And we've got a huge retention problem right now. Dean, I'm sure you're aware of this. Companies are kind of losing on average about a quarter of their workforce each year. So I say Exit interviews are good. I think that companies should still run those. But stay interviews are better because stay interviews allow you to speak to your employee if you, for instance, feel like they're starting to lose their engagement with your business. If you see warning signs, which can include them going really quiet, maybe they were a really great employee before and they're suddenly not meeting deadlines, there's a lot of unexplained absences, that's a really good time to sit down with them and start asking them a little bit more about what is going on. And a stay interview is just that, it's having a list of questions and it can be really simple or more complicated, right? It can just be simply adding certain questions to the end of your one-to-ones with your team. Or it can be like, let's sit down and have a chat and have a stay interview. And I do recommend people call it a stay interview when they have it, because it shows your employee that you really want to find out what's going on and you value their contribution. Right. And that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's interesting because over the last couple of years, especially, we've been hearing all these catchphrases and different, you know, quiet quitting and quiet firing and and all these other things. And of course, there's the proliferation of whistleblower programs and organizations are looking for ways to, I think they should be anyway, looking for ways to be in touch with their employees to understand what they're seeing, what they're thinking to learn about what's bubbling under the surface. And I love this because it really helps with engagement. And I think that's pretty critical these days. It is. And I think, I know you guys, Dean, have a whistleblower program that you have available to your, I'm not sure if it's just your clients, but your network anyway, which is excellent. It's a great way for businesses to also find out if there's bullying and harassment going on before it evolves into a huge problem. So I'm a big advocate of those sort of programs as well. But we are seeing a labor shortage in in a lot of markets, right? So you don't want to lose your employees. It's even more important that we retain the people that we have. Yeah, well, when you consider the cost of hiring and firing and all those things that happen when people leave organizations, investing time and effort into this, I guess, Amy, too, maybe you can speak a little bit to the issue of what does this do for leaders? I mean, it would seem to me that this would help leaders be a little more in touch, but also create a little more of a relationship with their staff. Absolutely. And when we have stay interviews and we're setting up our organization to make this a practice, uh, not something that's like a special occasion, we also want to make sure as leaders that we're not 
pretending that everything is perfect all the time because no organization is perfect, right? And if your employees see you, you know, assessing situations openly, maybe saying, you know, at this point in time, I wasn't the happiest here because that will give them permission to speak their mind. But I think what a lot of leaders with the best intentions try to do is demonstrate that there's no problems. Everything is fine. They are completely happy. (laughs) And (laughs) I get why they do it. I think that it also leads to people not feeling that they can be themselves and speak their mind. But I remember a number of years ago, I got uh, separated and divorced. And all these people around me seem to have perfect lives. You know, when something's going terribly wrong in your life, you're like, <laughs> everyone else is perfect. <laughs> and yeah, my life yeah. is falling apart. But as soon as I started telling people this was going on, I was shocked by the things they shared with me about their lives. So the more open we are, the more things we share, we don't want to overshare, of course, in the workplace, but the more open we are about certain aspects about how we think and how we feel, the more open people are going to be with us. I think there's a huge value in leaders, you know, leading in this way. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. In fact, you know, it's interesting because over the last few months in my business, we've been doing a lot of expanding and growth and outreach. And I decided this year that I was going to have a series of one-on-one meetings with my staff. And I really encouraged them to give me feedback. And I actually went so far as to say, listen, I want you to tell me, what am I doing wrong? What can I do better? You know, I I don't want you to be fearful. I don't want you to be concerned. And of course, I think we have a good relationship. So, you know, I don't think any of them were fearful, but I was amazed at some of the feedback that I got. And it was good for me because as you say, none of us are perfect. I always think about that social media post with the nice shiny apple that's facing outward, but behind there's a big bite out of it and it's all (laughs) rotten. But the forward facing piece is the nice rosy part and nobody sees the trouble that lies behind, right? And I think it's really good to get this kind of feedback from staff, not only about you as a leader, but about the organization and processes and what things are working. What do they need to help them do their job more efficiently or do their job with less grief? It sounds great. What would you recommend in terms of the frequency of something like this? Would you have these meetings monthly or quarterly or? That really depends on your organization and the situation and what you see is going on around you. So if you are noticing a lot of people leaving, you definitely want to start looking at the region or the department where that's happening and get in there and have these conversations. And You can conduct these interviews in any number of ways. So the manager can conduct the stay interviews. The skip level manager can conduct the interviews. If we do think maybe the problem is the direct manager, it is really important to take these conversations somewhere else, right? Where a person can feel safe to share. That's another reason I do love the kind of whistleblower services that you guys offer because it allows someone to share anonymously and in a safe space. You can also have an objective third party come in. So we work with some of our clients and we'll run little focus groups. We call them retention interventions, but really they're just stay interviews and some focus groups as well. And then we share the findings. We anonymize them and then share them with the organization so people feel they can speak very freely in that situation. And then, of course, HR. 
can run the stay interviews as well. But I think there's certain, well, we know there's certain triggers for running them. I spoke about one of them and that's when employees start to go really quiet and don't show as much engagement in their work. But the other one is timing. So after a year, you definitely want to have a stay interview scheduled with members of your team because after they've been with you for a year, that's often when they start evaluating. What is my future here? What can I achieve? And then thinking about, well, what if I can't achieve that here? And starting to think about options elsewhere. So a year is a great trigger for this type of conversation. But you can add little questions to the end of any one-to-one that a manager has with their employees. Right. No, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, you know, one of the things that we do a lot of is assessments. So oftentimes an organization will get wind that there is some issue. And so we'll go in and we'll do an assessment where, and that could involve surveys, it could involve interviews and combination of all these things to try and understand what's the lay of the land. And I love this because when we complete these assessments, we're often asked, well, okay, what can you recommend to us? Like we've identified now where the issues might lie, what some of the problems might be. What are some of the strategies we can implement moving forward to address these concerns and to have a better future, so to speak? And now I I see this as being yet another tool to put in the toolbox that we can recommend to our clients. Because so often in these assessments, one of the big gaps is communication. And Mm -hmm. so we can say, well, to address the communication gaps that appear to exist, you might want to consider implementing stay interviews. And that's where you and I would have the offline conversation and a referral. (laughs) So you could guide them through that. (laughs) Well, I always would love to work with you guys because I think the work you do is amazing. And as we've discussed before, what you have is a rare skill and you're really at the top of your field. You train the people who do what you do, right? So obviously always happy to collaborate with your team. You're very kind to say that, Amy. I I really appreciate it. It's a tough world that we work in, both you and our organization as well. We're always dealing with people that are experiencing challenges and it's trying Mm -hmm. to find positive ways to help them through them. And it's nice that we're able to make those differences, but we don't all have all the answers. So being able to collaborate on things definitely makes a difference. And, you know, one of the top reasons that employees leave an organization is they leave a colleague or a manager who's been very difficult to work with. And then what happens in that situation is it's like parasitic, right? A lot of people will start leaving on a team or in a region. And that's another time where it's really important to engage companies like yours or to run a series of stay interviews, find out what is going on because there are so many these types of people who are causing so many problems in organizations and they kind of fly under the radar because they're amazing at managing up and and they're really good at looking passionate. Are you familiar with Dr. Robert Herodine? I'm not, no. He wrote a book called Without Conscience, The Psychopaths Live Among Us. And I know it sounds really scary, doesn't it? But he, (laughs) (laughs) he's been a criminal psychologist his entire career. He's now, I believe, in his 80s. He contributed to the snakes and suits. And he predicts that four to five percent of the North American population are what he calls non-murderous psychopaths. And these are people who have learned to mimic the behavior that gets them what they want. They're incredibly good at fitting in. They know how to make great eye contact. 
chef to make a great first impression. They can really engage you. But these are also people who are, they turn out to be kind of like puppeteers in an organization. And they, if they see someone as competition, they can be really hard on them. And they're not people you can fix through training. Like nothing right. we do, no way we respond to them is going to make them change their behavior. And that is why workplace investigations are really critical to making sure that the people in your organization are not just physically safe, but they're psychologically safe. Yeah, I agree with you. And the thing I like about the stay interviews, you know, a lot of times I think of the investigation as being sort of the reactive piece, right? You've learned about a problem, somebody's made a complaint, and now we're reacting to it by doing the investigation and trying to find a remedy. What I love about this stuff is the proactive nature of it, that you're not making these stay interviews about rooting out problems. You're making them about just understanding the nature of things on an ongoing basis. When we do an investigation, for example, and we're interviewing somebody, there's a lot of tension, right? People are nervous, yeah. they're afraid, they don't know. You know, we have to do a lot of things to try and make them feel psychologically safe in that moment when we're interviewing them. But when you do something like what you're talking about with stay interviews, it can be just come sort of a, a routine part of, of interacting. And so it's a lot less stressful. I believe that in that scenario, you're going to learn about things as they're happening before they become a big deal. So you have right. the opportunity to address things in a more proactive way, which I just love about this. Yeah, and you just hope that the organization will take that proactive approach and not wait for disaster yes. to strike because business leaders simply have so many priorities, right? And so if you see something maybe percolating, you might not be as motivated to deal with that until it kind of explodes, right? So it's about making sure that we're taking all of this and acting. And I think that is one other thing I would add to this conversation is that if you start engaging your employees, if you start asking them for feedback, as an organization, you have a responsibility to make clear you've taken action on that feedback. Even if that action right. is to say, we're aware of these one, two, three things, we can only deal with one of them right now. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to have to park the other two. And here is why. So we have a responsibility to respond, acknowledge, and act. Absolutely. This is really wonderful information to get. And I think our audience is going to really appreciate the things that you've said about it. So I want to thank you for that. And I'm going to hit you with a little bit of a, a twist here, Amy. <laughs> you might not know this, but I always like to ask, the guests on the show to talk a little bit about their interests outside of their busy professional lives. I mean, you're one of those people that I see, you know, you're always go, go, go. You're so engaged in your work that you do and, and sharing your knowledge with people. But what are the things that make you tick when you're not engaged in that busy professional life of yours? <laughs> well, the number one top thing that I'm engaged with when I'm not working is I have a two-year-old Doberman named Riker. And he is very special to me. And yeah, so I, I mean, he requires a lot of attention. Any Doberman <laughs> owners will know what I'm talking about because they're a special breed. Yes. Yeah, so that is one thing that I do. And, you know, right before the pandemic, I'm so happy. I gifted myself for my birthday, a rowing machine. And oh. I have to tell you, it's just such an amazing addition <laughs> to our household. So I love putting on loud music and going for a row 
whenever I get the chance because it really fuels you, right, to have the energy to do everything else that you need to get done as an entrepreneur. Oh, it's so true. I have to say that the physical side of things, you know, just I know this is a little off topic of what we've been discussing, but but, you know, our own mental health, our own ability to get through each day, our physical health is so important. I mean, we talk a lot about mental health. For sure. But yeah, that I think that's great. And I love the name Riker. Oh, that's thanks. A- <laughs> well, one of a- my guilty pleasures is actually Star Trek. I'm a huge Star Trek fan. Uh-huh. I'm not a Trekkie, but I've never been to one of the conferences or anything like that. But <laughs> I uh, I love it because it's all about society and how to relate and understanding. And uh, anyone who's a Star Trek fan who might be listening, there's a character on there, Riker, and he's the number one. He's the second in command. So Yeah, Jean-Luc Picard's uh, right hand. Yes. Okay. So you do know. Oh, yeah. Well, it's funny. It's kind of joking, but I've often said to leaders that I've worked with, I've said, you know, I used to joke, call it the Captain Kirk style of leadership. So going back to the even the previous Star Trek, the original Star Trek, I would say to people, one of the things I always admired about that is that the captain surrounded himself with various individuals who had knowledge that he didn't have and always canvassed that group to find out each individual thought from their perspective before making certain decisions so that those decisions were always the most well-informed decisions they could be. And I, I used to refer to that jokingly as the Captain Kirk style of leadership. Um, that's great. As a kid, that's where I first saw it. And it it made a bit of an impression on me. So, uh, yeah, so I guess we can't call ourselves Trekkies because I haven't been to a convention either. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's something we can check out this year. <laughs> Well, you know, Star Trek has a lot to teach us about leadership and how to run an organization. And I would invite anyone who has a preconceived notion of what the shows really are to give it a try and see, because you might be surprised. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Amy, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. You've shared some really interesting concepts with us about stay interviews, and I love it. I, I really do. I think it's been really helpful for our audience. It's certainly helpful for me. And I love the way it dovetails with the work that we do. So you've given me some things to add to my toolbox. So I really do appreciate that. Now, some of our listeners, they might want to connect with you and connect with First 30. So how best can they do that? The best place is on LinkedIn. So they can look me up, Amy Davies on LinkedIn. And then Amy at first30ready.com. That's first and then the number 30 ready.com. And if they want to find out about First 30, same thing. You can just use the URL, first30ready.com, and you can find out all about us. Oh, that's awesome. Well, once again, thank you so much, Amy, for joining us today. So that's a wrap for this episode, folks. Want to thank you again for listening. And we want to hear from you. We want to get your feedback. I know I say it all the time. I sound like a broken record about constant and never-ending improvement, but that's what we're all about. And we can't do that without your feedback. So please, check us out. We post all of these episodes on our YouTube channel at Bernard Associates YouTube channel. Of course, it's on the major podcast directories because most of you are probably listening to it right now on that. But if you missed some episodes, you can easily go back to our YouTube channel and catch up on those and check out some of the other great content that we have on there. So thank you again. You can reach me directly at dbenard at bernardinc.com or deanbenard on LinkedIn. And thanks for joining us, everyone. We'll see you next time on the We've Seen a Thing or Two podcast. Mm-hmm.